Greetings, hi, hello and welcome to another episode of Station H hosted by me, Will Sumsuch. My guest this time is singer, songwriter and record producer Mike City, a man with a quite an intimidating discography having written and produced for Carl Thomas, Usher, Brandy, Sunshine Anderson, Jamie Foxx, Rihanna and Heavy D among many many others. His latest project is a solo album called The Feel Good Agenda Volume 1 which blends his trademark soul and R&B styles with deep and soulful house sounds. It was heralded by a single called When I Love which featured his friend Faith Evans on vocals and you may well have heard the Kenny Dope mix which kind of blew up this summer. I caught up with Mike in a, what can only be described as a broom cupboard in a South London radio station. And unfortunately, in the recordings, there are some very odd noises made by somebody's mobile phone. I promise it wasn't mine. But judging by the content of our conversation, the noises could well have been caused by Mike texting Dr. Dre on his Blackberry. So as usual, the musical conversation is punctuated by chats about politics, sports and various other things before breaking down into a debate about the best music making software. The temptation was there to edit some of the noises out and I have got rid of a few but parts of the conversation were so interesting that I decided it was probably best to leave the noises in and we'll just have to deal with them. I'll be back soon with another episode of Station H and until then, I'm going to hand over to me. So I'm here in London at My Soul Radio with Mike City. Hello Mike. How you doing? And also here with Ian, DJ Soul Provider from Four to the Floor London. How's it going? Yeah, good, good, good. So Mike, you're here in London performing for the very first time, I believe. Yeah. And uh, I, came, I came to rock. <laughs> what I came to do. Nice. And just busy. Just before we started recording, you were saying that you kind of started off performing, but you yeah, it's my roots. You know, performing yeah. is my roots, and and then I got I got detoured into the world of writing, producing, which was a very good detour, though. So, but you know, all that allows me to come back and do this and bring everything I've learned in the game into this realm and everything. And I just felt like, um, you know, I grew up I grew up on a lot of music. Obviously, House is one of them growing up in Philly and Jersey. But I just want to get back to this and bring bring the song element back to dance music. I feel like, you know, the vocal stabs and everything is cool, but people want to hear songs so they can have something to stick to. And I'm trying to be one of the one of the person, one of the people who do that. You know what I'm saying? So that's what that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that comes across so much in the uh, in the album, the new album, um, the Feel Good Agenda, which uh, we've all been enjoying a lot recently. Appreciate it. So can you can you recall the first song that you ever wrote? I don't even remember. You don't. But what age were you were you writing at from? Do you think? I probably started writing. Um, I probably really got into writing. Um, Maybe about seven or eight or something. Wow. So I start messing around with stuff. But I really got serious junior high school. High school, I was writing. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of got serious with the yeah. craft, the craft yeah, side of it. Yeah. And do you think as the sort of the more years you spend writing songs, you kind of sort of hone your craft and and. I feel like I'm still getting better though. Yeah. I really do. I feel like I'm still getting better. You know, like. I've been blessed to write some hits and everything, but I feel like, cause I don't even have a, like the one thing with me, I don't just per se have a, a formula that I get out and write. I don't, I just go with whatever comes to me or whatever how I feel. Same with producing too, I, it's not that I have a formula. Mm. You know, I can start with the drums first, I can start with the bass first, I can start with a piano first, I can start with a sound that I sample first to build everything around it that spurs the idea, so. I just go about it and try to have fun at everything I do. And I feel like I have a great taste in music and I feel like that's allowed me to connect with a lot of people and be in the game so long and everything because when you do that, it's not always about having a number one record. It's about having that feeling. 
you know what I'm saying, something could come along later and just feel right. I actually feel like this Feel Good Agenda album is gonna be bigger down the line than it is now. I think people are gonna really get what I'm trying to do later. They're gonna go back and be like, oh, okay, you know, but we keep pushing. I think I see that a lot. It's interesting in the kind of the digital realm. It's a strange phenomenon, but it feels like, especially with a new project or something that's a little bit different to the norm, you know, conventional wisdom would tell you that in the digital world things happen faster because it's so immediate. But actually, when it comes to music, it seems like things take a while to bubble up, maybe even longer than they did when you Maybe because there's so much content out. Maybe that's it. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to absorb. You know, back in the day with, with CDs and tapes and stuff, you know, every Tuesday we knew something new was coming out. And, you know, I still remember getting that feeling like waiting in line for like Midnight Marauders to drop. You know what I'm saying? Like waiting outside the record store at 12 o'clock come, you get that out. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's that feeling. You know, you knew you had to have that project. It wasn't even about one song. You knew Tribe was coming out with a new album. Yeah. I gotta mm -hmm. get that out. Over here, it was um, imports. Right. Back then, it would be waiting for the latest import. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's harder to create that now. It is because it's so immediate. Like, you literally can record an album in a couple of days and just drop it that weekend. Yeah. And, I, and the problem I have, it's not a problem, but our reality, we're, we're, instead of listening to music a lot, we're looking at music. Because people are looking at numbers and how many followers you have and influence, that that don't mean you hot though. You could be, you could have shenanigans and get followers. Mm. You could falsely get followers and all that other stuff. That doesn't mean you hot, that means you were able to manipulate whatever it is, or you could act a fool and get followers. That don't mean that you're, you're good at marketing. Yeah, it's great marketing. Mm. That don't mean you're dope. Mm. And a lot of times that's where the disconnect comes with the music. Mm. Someone could have 20 followers and be the next prince. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in, in today's market, the question is, you know, it's, I suppose it's taking longer to percolate through all of that, yeah. all of that crap to kind of rise to the, like rise what, to the top. Would, would Prince and Stevie Wonder get signed these days? Would they get signed by major labels? I was having this conversation the other day, yeah. You know, like... Miles. Would it, yeah, like would, that, <laughs> you know? would, would Marvin Gaye get signed? Yeah. It's, it's really... It's, di it's different. Yeah. So we got to fight through and cut through all that. So that's why, you know partner up with BVE, they kind of get, I just feel like later on down the line, people going to look back at this project and be like, oh, I get it. Because mm -hmm. basically, you know, I try to mix, just, it's just up-tempo black dance music. That's what it is. It's, it's, you know, it's not all house, it's not all R&B, it's a mix, it's house R&B, boogie, disco, funk, whatever. Well, good, good music stands the test of time. And, and that's why I get what you're saying when you say people are going to get it down the line. I feel, I feel like they're going to get it down the line. Take, take, um, when I spoke to you earlier about the uh, uh, Sunshine Anderson, I had, and you said you wrote that. Now, that is a staple in my mm, I appreciate record it. collection. In Anywhere my, in the world, that intro. You know, <laughs> it's something that is just, you can drop any time and it's going yeah. off. Yeah. They don't even have to know it. It's not even that they know it. It's, right, there's just something about it that makes it work. Mm. It's a blessing and energy, and she and that even when, I don't even know if she realized it and everything. But it's like now down the line, you you know, because like different things happen. Like after that album came out, the label that we was with it folded, so it caused her to go through different labels and different things. And she um, it's basically she kind of got dropped from Atlantic, but she didn't get dropped. Atlantic and Electra merged. So some artists got caught up in the in the mid middle of the merge and everything, but the one thing that she got out of that, she got um, she has a smash worldwide hit, and now she's touring and stuff more than ever. Baby, uh -uh. let me explain to you. I'm saying what you saying. It's not even like that. It wasn't like that, but I saw you. Baby, I don't love her. You don't love me. You she, know what? I don't even want to talk. She to don't you. mean nothing to me. I don't want to see your face. She was just telling me. I just want to see you walking through that Baby, door. Baby, nothing else to say. Why we gotta do Peace. it like this? Baby, 
So if you want some love and I suggest you go back there Where you came from Day to day with you is always something else Working my nerve God knows that I don't deserve what you put me through Cause I've been so true to you For you to come at me with another lame excuse See I Some of these records, when you're writing with a particular artist, you know, um, do you tend to kind of write in collaboration, kind of talk to them about what's, you know, what, what's going on with them? And well, no, with that one, that was, that was that was her. And, yeah, um, me, her, okay. and our homie Pinky was coming up the hook one day, and then because um, I said I want to write, I want to do a song called Heard Her Before. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, just I just had that concept. And that, and, one of my guys had heard my tr that track, and he wanted to rap over it. And I was like, "Word!" So Sunshine happened to be there when I was playing, and she was like, "I like that city." I was like, "You want to use it?" Who's working on her album? And that's the thing about it. It was like early in the process of recording her album, and then um, I knew the dude that she was going with a long time ago, and that situation, you know, how it unfolded. So we started coming up with that, and it's crazy because that's one record where we knew that record was a hit right after we did it. Like sometimes you don't know, but we knew. That, what that record was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't no question. Mm -hmm. That record was a smash. And it's crazy because um, I remember um, a couple of people from Aftermath and Interscope came and played in the Chronic one day, right after it was about to come out and everything. And they said, What you working on? I said, New Artist of Sunshine and everything. And I said, Let me play the joint. He was like, You sure you want to play this after I just played you the Chronic 2001? I put on a heard up before. They was like, Oh my God. <laughs> was like, oh my God. What is <laughs> and it's crazy. I remember I, um, when I first met Dr. Dre, he was like, man, that record, he was like, yo, you killed it with that record. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just a blessing, man. Me and Dre still cool today. So, mm. so we were talking about yeah. this, funnily enough, earlier, the kind of, because um, you were very much... I suppose you could say a linchpin of that kind of the R&B sound, you know, artists like Sunshine Anderson, working right. with people like Brandy and... and there was a time when we were talking about this where hip-hop and R&B were kind of really closely aligned and there was a there was a lovely kind of exchange of the kind of grittiness of hip-hop and the musicality coming from R&B and I don't know if it's just my perception but it feels like there's been more of a split in What has been more of a split years. because well in America trap has taken over mm. and it's been trap has been in effect like 10 years mm. or more it went from crunk to trap. So I think I think a lot of it now is a lot of the producers, the young producers, maybe that's all they know how to do. Mm. I think you gotta just open up your repertoire more and you know, because when they go back, they like listening to that 90s hip hop and R&B. They know what that is, but a lot of them don't even know how to produce it. Mm. It's a certain feel that you have to have, it's a certain bounce, whereas, um, Trap is you gotta know how to work the computer and do all that other stuff. It's linear. With mm. that hip hop is not linear. Sometimes it ain't quantized. Sometimes it's just the feel of it, just the balance of it. It's just, it's different. And I come from that era of um, R and B hip hop. Put it together because that's what I do. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just as comfortable listening to uh, Anita Baker as I'm Wu Tang. Mm. It's whatever. My favorite band in the world is Steely Dan. So I go from, you know, I go from round, I go, I go from Steve, Steely Dan and Stevie Wonder to Earth and the Fire to Donny Hathaway to Tribe Called Quest to Dr. Dre to Wu-Tang to whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I have a whole mixture. Then you have gospel with the Winans in commission. I'm just drawn to great talent. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I just have a different personality. I, I, could, I could literally listen to the Clark sisters and then listen to Scarface hmm. or the Ghetto Boys. It's just whatever. It's just, I have a whole different thing going on. That's why you never know what you're going to get from me because I've come different. So when I came with the Sunshine and I came with Carl and I came with Brandy, it was totally different. So, you know, a lot of people were saying that they had thought Rodney did that record and it was me. Like, so <clears throat> it's just, 
it's probably the gift and the curse and everything because a lot of times people before wanted me to like to bastard my sound and give you 10 hurting army fours or 10 hour wishes and everything and I purposely wouldn't do it you know maybe I should have but I felt like I wanted to do something different and show different things and that's what make you dope whereas now it's like you got a trap record they want you to do 30 trap records like that and it's acceptable mm. and it's acceptable to sound like somebody else so it's like before when we came along you had to have your own sound not so much now that's the difference mm. yeah there's a it's, it's a much harder road but hopefully ultimately a much more rewarding one because you know we were talking about this in, in every genre now you know it's it's people want something that's exactly the same as something that they know but with a very slight twist but well, that's why I'm proud of the feel goodage in the project because I don't feel like anybody can sit down and do that project. Yeah. I don't think anybody can just sit down and do that project or make that project. What you're bringing to the kind of soulful house world, again, is exactly what you were just saying. And I think certainly in Europe, we have a situation with, with house producers, particularly where, and techno producers, where you, you speak to them and, and what they listen to is house and techno. Whereas if you go back, you know, our favorite house and techno producers never listened to house and techno records. They invented it by, by coming with right. all of their influences. So I guess what you're bringing from the R&B world. Because I don't listen to Soul Files every day. No, exactly. I, just, I don't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so talk us through some of the collaborators on, on the Feel Good Agenda. These are kind of friends, people you were working with on other projects and you kind of got them. Throughout the years, um, basically, um, I know all of them, like, um, but me and Junior had a mutual friend, Mickey. Mm. So I was like, man, I'm gonna get Junior, you know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> he said, I'll ask him. I sent him the thing. He's like, oh, I love to do it. So, but outside of, outside of that, I've known Terry since she was the Def Jam days when um, when Jaha was at ANR back way back then. And then um, me and Layla go back. I've known Teacher before I knew she could sing. I didn't even know she could sing. She was a stylist back in the day. I, I thought she was a stylist, and she invited me to the studio one day, and she played me her album. I, I got mad. I was like, "You should let me know you can sing. I'd have got you a deal." So you know, um, me and Crystal Johnson go way back. Obviously, me and Carl, me and Dwelle, Mesa. I've known her for a few years through mutual friends, and we worked together before. Um, Faith, obviously, we work with Faith. That's the homie, and. and and she got it immediately, cause she's from Jersey. So when I told, she's like, "Oh yeah, let's do it." You know what I'm saying? So it was just all love. And there's a bunch of artists that want to get down. I just ran out of time and do different things. So if I do a volume two, it's gonna be just as crazy. So hopefully not. And I want to have some more UK artists on as well, because um, I just ran out of time because Omar was supposed to get down. Just, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And Donnie was down. I just, I just, I told him they need to make me the. Um, the, um, I need to be the extended member of the British Collective. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, let me yeah, yeah, that would work. That would work. Let me bring my element to them and see what happens. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the British Collective that's that's the cream of of the of the soul male soul vocalists from mm. the UK. So, yeah. Right, so you're from Jersey originally. Born in Philly and raised in Philly and Jersey. Yeah. But you were a Cowboys fan, I hear. It's <laughs> a shame. But, but, but I'm starting to be a little indifferent right now because I'm not really feeling Jerry Jones right now. No, no. Yeah. It, interestingly... I'm not really feeling Jerry Jones right now. Like, he could have handled that situation totally better. It's been interesting to watch how all of the team... I don't know if this is something that you're, you're, you've been keeping an eye on it, but there's been the whole... You know, started by Colin Kaepernick, the whole thing with we're taking a knee, yeah. and then obviously Trump's come out and said what he said. Yeah. So then it was kind of like you and have to me, Jerry Jones is Jerry Trump right now. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's a surprise because isn't uh, what's his name Kraft, the Patriots owner, is kind of like is actually a very close friend of. And he even spoke out against. He's, he's even handled it better. Yeah, yeah. you got to you got to handle it better because the, the problem I have with that is um, basically. No one from the Cowboys was kneeling anyway, mm. so you didn't even have to come back and reinforce what you what you're talking about because you didn't, out of all the teams, he didn't have that problem. Mm. You just wanted to speak out so Trump could know that you on his side, and I just feel like 
it's, it's the right side and the wrong side. And whether you against the kneeling or not, you didn't have to say that. You handled the situation better. Like, basically, Jerry Jones, the, the money that you make with the Dallas Cowboys, the sweat equity is on the back of the players. Probably 75% of your players are black. Mm -hmm. You need to handle that better. Mm. Feel the Dallas Cowboy team without black players and see what happens. Yeah. Feel any NFL team without out of black without black players and see what happens. Mm. So you handle it better because it is the bottom line. And everything had you handled it better, then it come across better because at the end of the day, it is a business. So you want to make sure all your business aligns. So you got to be more fragile with it and everything. And you trying to okay, what is the problem? We're going to look into the problem in communities to get this done and everything. And then you don't have that problem. And your team didn't have a problem with Neil anyway. Y'all was all standing. Mm -hmm. But you created a problem because you made them look like little do-boys. Mm -hmm. Like, you do what I say or you get kicked off the team. Now, if everybody Neil, you going to kick everybody off the team? No. So basically, you just run in your mouth. But you wanted to, it came across like you are a dictator or modern-day slave owner. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm not feeling right now. And this is a thing that's brought out a very ugly side of, of, of American culture and politics because, you know, taking a knee is about, the, you know, it's the thing that you do when someone's hurt. And, it, and so to me, and I think to most British people, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to do, you know, to actually right. to raise awareness of something that's happening in a very non-aggressive way. And the way I it's mean, been the, kind and, of, you know, like, they just got to... Um, it, it reared his ugly head and it let really it let a lot of people outside of the United States know just how much racism is still going on in the United States. It's true. Yeah, very true. That's what it did. Yeah. Mm. For all y'all that thought this was, even a lot of people in the United States who thought it really wasn't going on, you see it's really going on. So. And it's an, a way of not dealing with the actual issue. Because mm. the issue now has become being unpatriotic, not right. what the and reason it, why. And it's not about being unpatriotic at all. At all, zero. It's nothing to do with that. Listen, it's nothing to do with they that. They have, they have, they have the president on camera, on photo right now. There's been many instances. He's sitting down. His hand is now. He doesn't care about this. This is some divide and conquer stuff. Mm -hmm. There you go. And as an organization, the NFL are charging the US military <laughs> as, an, as an advertiser, as a sponsor. Because there's that, nothing patriotic had, about it's that not, other than that they're paid, had that not been paid. the case, none of this would even be an issue. Because mm -hmm. the players shouldn't even have to come out until after the thing is played. Yeah. So I, I, feel, like, I feel like Jerry Jones overstepped his boundaries. And I'm actually indifferent right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's bigger than, it's bigger bigger than sports. Than, yeah. yeah. So... I guess something that we saw in the in the UK with with Brexit um, was kind uh, of like it was almost like a precursor to what happened with Trump in the US. It's when like, I saw Brexit happen, I knew Trump could win. Mm -hmm. When I saw that, I knew he could win because at his rallies and everything, you saw anger. Mm. All you saw was anger and everything. And I and I and I tell people this all the time. Honestly, when Barack Obama won, is the it's good and it was it was bad because it's not it's not that he was a perfect president. All presidents have their thing to go through, but it it put a mirage on like everything is all well in America and everything. But I tell people this: if Barack Obama was Michelle Obama's complexion, he wouldn't have won. Because mm -hmm. if he was her skin tone, her complexion, he wouldn't have won that election. Because America is still on that BS. Yeah, totally. And also, it's a backlash to having a black president. Trump is Trump is a direct Trump, response, the, the, really, the, isn't it? Direct yeah. response. To and again, it. That's, that's a fact. And again, Come on, he was the birth of thing. That's how his whole situation was born. So we have a situation where people are tampering with elections and all type of fool stuff going on, and he's yet to admit. But when all the people in the in the um, hierarchy that, that's telling them this went on, he won't admit it yet. Yeah, and the whole, I guess the whole... It's going to all come up though. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting time to live through, which actually brings me quite neatly to one song that kind of really stood out to me on your album, which is the last track, that You're in, you're in Heaven with... Uh, is it Lola Hathaway? Lola Hathaway, yeah. Yeah. So it felt like that's a real... Not preempting this situation, but definitely with, you know, the, the, the causes of the whole 
take any movement. It well, kind of felt like there's a lot of resonance with that record. But see, I would say the, the, the history of that record is crazy. Um, I did that record a while ago, hmm. right? But that record was my my thoughts, like after all the 9/11 stuff happened. That was after 9/11. Interesting. That's why I said. Watching TV felt like I was there. I cried, oh so many. Because like, I remember when 9/11, my parents were on. They were on the train on their way from Philly to North Carolina. When 9/11 hit, the train stopped in D.C. The train conductor told everyone to get out and find refuge, hmm. find shelter. Like, you know, something going on big, bigger than what's yeah, that. Yeah. So. My parents had to find someone, a stranger in D.C., put my parents up. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So I couldn't even reach them. You know, it was mayhem and everything. So it was a lot going on back then, man. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that was my feeling. So the, the beauty of that record is that it's equally, you know, the, the lyrics that you just mentioned, like, you know, it, it's applicable to <clears throat> kind of every, every tragedy. It is. That comes around, but it's also a, a record that has a lot of hope. I think. And it feel, you know, Layla, she did it. And it was, I thank her for it. But yeah, that it was, you know, crazy times and everything. But um, you have to honor those people. Watching TV, it felt like I was there. I cried, oh, so many tears. If only there was something that. I could have done So many lies Gone away so fast Though you left us back In this crazy, crazy world in which we live Now you're in a better So let's let's get back to um, to the musical side of things a little okay. bit. So so in terms of songwriting, we actually just touched on it, but um, we were talking about how perhaps songwriting in the current, especially in the dance music climate, is is perhaps a little bit of a lost art. So what would your advice be to like young producers coming up? Like what's the the kind of number one skill? Would it be learning some music theory? Would it be just listening to to great records from the past and analysing them? Or both of those are because I actually. Um Music theory is really what helped me um, mm -hmm. produce and everything. Like, I have a bachelor degree, um, bachelor of arts, concentration of voice, but it's actually the the, um, the theory and the understanding of where it can go from here and all that stuff. That's what really helped me because sh shamefully, <clears throat> when I used to read music, I'm so out of touch with that. I I would literally have to go and be really touched up again to do all that stuff. But the theory kind of never left me. It's all that, I always can apply that. Where we can go from here and where this can resolve to there. So that I always have that in my back pocket, like um, the possibilities. And so that really helped me out a lot. So I think the theory and listening to great music help. And just and just try to do, some, do stuff that you like. Just don't do stuff that you hear. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think do stuff that, you know, you're gonna be proud of later because when I listen to my records from 10, 15 years ago, I'm like, ah, they're still rocking. And I feel like when I hear the Feel Good Agenda for 10, 15 years, I'm like, ah, they're still rocking. So, I mean, it's just what it is. Mm. When I did, when we did I Wish, I didn't know it was gonna go number one, I just felt right. You know, so do stuff that you think you're gonna like, that you like and you think is gonna, it's gonna be all right down the line. Just don't follow the current trend. Like production changed and you could, sometimes you gotta do production to, to get in pocket, especially when you're dealing with a label. But at the end of the day, you know, songs, it's how if you can break it down on a piano, bass, guitar, whatever it is, if you can break it down and be like, that song is still hot. Mm. I think that's important. And I suppose coming <clears throat> from more of a sort of old school production background, you know, you would sit with a record for a while and kind of, there'd be a, a, a longer decision-making process of whether to put it out, whereas I suppose now 
certainly with digital labels and stuff, people can finish a record and go, oh yeah, that's great, get caught up in the excitement. There's no risk, there's no cost, so it's like, oh, let's just put it out rather but than I, make, you, I still, sit with it and polish it some more. But even if you sit with it and polish it or not, it's still like whatever your quality of the music is, like what you, it's the taste of music that, um, you know, cause like, you know, I just been practicing, like I come from producing, right? So all everybody's like, you need to spin. So I've been practicing, spinning everything. But it's not that um, I'm ever gonna be Jazzy Jeff, hmm. but you know, I got, I got a taste of music that I like, and then I can spin my own records cause I like my taste of what I've done. But it's, it's the taste of music that really, it, it invites people to who you are mm. and the way certain stuff feel and everything. So I, I feel like that's the whole thing. Like your taste and your brand of music is really what shines through. That, that's that's what a DJ is basically. You're 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 playing your taste. Yeah, it's mm. your taste of music. It's your taste. That's that's what makes you that that DJ as an individual. You're giving the world your your flavor. Your, yeah. Your how you would put records together. Was it Larry the band? He said it's DJing is. Great records in the right order. That's it. Yeah. So, what what prompted you to kind of release this album under your own your own name as an artist and kind of step step into the spotlight? Because you've been behind the scenes for so many years. It's weird. At first, um, I was going. I had an artist start doing the um the house features and everything. But at first, I was going to do an album just feature other artists, writing whatever it is. But Layla Hathaway, she hit me one day, she said, no, you should sing on the records. She's like, because we all know you can sing, but people don't know you can sing. Yeah. So why don't you be on your records and you get other people on the record with you, you're going to do it like that. But let them know what you do. She said, because when I hear these records of other artists come out, I know you did it because I can tell. But she's like, it's not you, but you put it on them. So you're transferring your energy to all these other artists. So I was like, okay, she put the battery in my back. So that's how it really came about. She charged me up. And you talking about basically one of the greatest living singers. Mm-hmm. You can really, you can really uh, ignore her advice. Yeah. <laughs> she's she like, no, I'm not gonna yeah. do What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what have you got coming up next? I have a Christmas project that I'm about to release called for the holiday, seven original Christmas songs. And it's basically um, it's an R&B project. One song is like a boogie record called um, Christmas Party, but um, I think people gonna dig it and everything. Like, I wanted to make something timeless. And this is another project. I feel like 10, 20 years down the line, I, I'm gonna be able to listen back and it's gonna still feel the same. And that's important to me because when I go back and listen to Steely Dan right now, it feels great. Mm-hmm. It's, you're talking about 45 years. Yeah. You listen to Stevie Wonder old records, it feel right. Mm-hmm. I want that feeling. You know, it's not really a matter of um, you paying attention or whatever it is. I want I want that feeling. Yeah, and that, and that does, it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Because that comes across when people don't think about what's hot today or what's right. the latest new sound. Because every time, People kind of went with what was trendy at the time. That's when you look back on a record. That's always the thing on the record that you're like, ah, oh, I know that was yeah, right. I know that was trendy in the yeah. 80s, right. but like you know, I wish that they hadn't then, done that. This like, is now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the thing, isn't it? So, uh, do you listen to a lot of music, and uh, or, or you, you you spend more time making? Like, do you stay abreast of new of new new music? Yeah, I do. Just so I can stay up on certain things, and yeah. I, I have kids. So they'll have me listen to kids bop and different things. And I, I've actually discovered a lot of new pop music via kids pop, kids bop, mm. that I wouldn't have known before. And then um, also, I'm getting more involved when I'm doing music for film and TV. So when I get briefs and everything, I'm hearing different records that I would have never heard before had I not looked at the brief and listened to this record. So it's all about getting exposed to different things. Mm. So who are some of the artists that you're you're feeling at the moment? Oh, let me see. I like the Kill- I like the Khalid record. Yeah, me, because it's like Bill Withers. You know who doesn't like Bill Withers? So I like that. Uh, it's one of my favourite um, rockumentaries, the Bill Withers. Bill Withers has made is, is has made or is making a new a new record. I, heard. I don't know. Check out check out the the. 
the documentary that was made on Bill Withers called Still Bill. Still Bill. I'm so mad because I'm, I'm so mad because um there's a picture with me, Bill Withers, and my, and um, the late great Heavy D, and I don't have it. Wow. And I, you need I don't to have, get that. You need to I get that. I don't know, but I don't know where none of my pictures. Well, first of all, I had some. Hev was my friend. Okay. I might have actually mm -hmm. did the last record with Hev before he came to London and came back. That was my guy. Hev was on my house three weeks before he came to London. Wow. So um, that was my guy, right? So the last, I remember, like before he came to London, even before that, we were at the Staples Center, and um, um, he told me to come to this box. So me and my wife went up there. And my, I had my Blackberry, but my Blackberry, after we took this picture, it went dead, so it wasn't saved. It was a picture with me, Hev, Tay Diggs, LL Cool J, and Snoop Dogg. But it was on my Blackberry, and I don't have none of my pictures with Hev. I, I feel so mm. violated right now. And that was my guy. That was my guy, and, you know. I feel like even when he came back home, they probably misdiagnosed him because, um, Hev had gout, and he probably tried to diagnose himself why his leg was hurting when he had the um the, uh, the blood clot. Right. So he probably tried to they probably misdiagnose him and everything, and it's it's crazy, man, because where he lived to the to the hospital, it was it wasn't far at all. And between there and there, I think he went to cardiac arrest. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh man. So, and that was two days ago. Uh, in 2000, I want to say 11 or something, 12. And then like yesterday, even before that, Gerald Avert, that was my guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what? Both of those guys gave me a lot of game. You know what I'm saying? Like what to do and what not to do in the music business and everything. Stay level-headed level and everything. Cause there's going to be peaks and valleys, ups and downs. And you got to just push through it and everything. And I just feel like even talking to the young cats, you know, just, don't ever get too full of yourself. Keep level head. You're gonna have ups and downs. You ain't gonna always have a number one record. So don't let them gash you. You know, seriously. Mm -hmm. That's great. But some other artists though. Hold on. I, I tell mean, people this all the time. Drake has superior melodies. So I don't care what rhymes he writes, whatever it is, the melodies that he put on the that's why he wins. Mm -hmm. Chicks like melody. So when you come up, even the last mixtape he had out, he um he had all these other records, they but then he got passion, the girls like that. Mm. You have to get the attention of the ladies. Anybody know, you know, it's not about the dude, the dude's gonna follow ladies. Yeah. Mm. I always say that as a DJ. Yeah, yeah. the dudes, the, the, the girls, the girls man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you got <laughs> Drake doing that, um, and I love when um I love when Sam Smith get with disclosure. Matter of fact, put this on right now. Disclosure, holler at me. I want to give a disclosure. I think me and disclosure would come up with something crazy. <laughs> I think you would. Straight up. Yeah. I should be on disclosure next album. Or they should be on your next album. I rock with them. <laughs> I just feel like I like when they came back with that '90s house sound. Mm. It was special. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't let these people try to steer you into doing nothing, whatever it is. They had something special what they were doing. Mm. And um disclosure, I'm gonna rock with y'all. Let y'all holler at me, let me know what's up. Holler at your boy. <laughs> so I've just got one more question, okay. Um so you obviously write, produce and and I guess mix all of your records. Like did all of that come natural to you or is there like any no. part of that process that Mixing you could almost natural. still you could still leave, leave if you could yeah, leave it alone. You yeah, would. if I could have somebody else mix all on sub, I would. Right. Well, we're gonna go and meet John Morales instead. Yeah, so maybe I, if I, could, <laughs> I would. But you know, because of the industry, like you got somebody mix your own stuff and everything. Like I got the, I got the ear to know what I want to hear. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that's a blessing. But that that's the because being an engineer and what I do is two different worlds apart. I'm, you know, I'm used to being creative, standing on the speakers, you know, but when you're doing the engineering stuff, even when you're cutting it, you have to be reserved. You, you mess around and delete something or do something weird. So it's a whole different thing going on. And even when I started, because up until 2008, I did all my records, all my production on it and signed an ASR 10. Then I went cold turkey and switched to Logic. Mm. And I had to use something else in my brain 
and it kind of messed me up writing for a while because you got to go into a different chamber. So it's like, yeah, I, I would really totally love to have someone do all that. But. And this is really, this is, I think this is important again for like for young producers because in the current climate, everyone feels like they need to be all things to all men. So everyone feels like they need to, but, but I think all of us have a weak point, like whether it's the mix down, whether it's the, you know, whether it's not being able to play an instrument and getting people in, you know, going down to a, an open mic night at your local pub and, and getting some people to come and play on your record so you have well, that element. If well, you because the thing, because, because everything is so um, do it yourself these days, these kids are generally, they're engineers. They, they have to be. Yeah. So, I didn't have to be an engineer, so I had to learn how to do that. But now, these days, if you, yeah, you got an engineer because you kind of, you, you can't afford to go to, to uh, these big um, engineers to mix your record. Mm. Yeah. And the other crazy part about it is, some of their tactics that they're using is so wrong, but so right, the engineers can't even get it. Mm. it the way they, you know, the, the way they got the bass coming through everything is so wrong, but it's so right. And so you can't, the engineer carefully can't even duplicate it. Absolutely, I mean, yeah, and everything changes because I come from a background where bass always had to be mixed mono because you were cutting to vinyl right. and it's going to shape the, the needle right out of the groove if you've got something. So now it's like the more the merrier. Yeah, now like everything's digital, so you've got these crazy like stereo bass lines happening, yep. which like you know I still I have to say I st when I hear that I'm like cringe, cringe, right? Yeah, like that's <laughs> when it comes on the club is ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. just hope no one ever cuts it to vinyl because. They probably got some type of way they could um, um, bring down the EQs of the um, bass to, to level it out and everything. Yeah, I mean, imagine, yeah. I, I imagine now if you took it to, you know, you took, you take it to a mastering house and they're just gonna take that. Which one is some crazy though? I've done a lot of records. I can't tell whether it was cut on analog or digital anymore. I just can't. And so I'm not believing it. And like. I know like a lot of big mix engineers. Like I bought my house from Manny Manny America, Manny Moroccan. So Dave, him and Dave Pensado, those are my guys. I know a lot of big like I was telling them back in the day, y'all gonna go in the box. And no one believed I cause I was going around seeing people. Mm. Now they still have their special things they use, but for the most part, people in the box. You can't you can't tell what people is mixing on anymore. Yeah. Most most dolls come, if you really want to keep it funky, most dolls come. You don't have to use any outside anything at all. Yeah, yeah. In most dogs, you don't need any outside plugins if you know how to rock that plugin. Do you think there's like a like almost like a fetishization of like analog now? Because everyone's getting very excited, especially in dance music. Everyone's getting excited about analog again. Even though a few years ago we were all selling our analog gear and, and moving to the computer. I don't, know, I don't know. Do you think maybe it's a little bit of a off. false? Yeah, I ain't tripping off of that. Yeah, cause I, mean, I still use Logic 9. Yeah. I haven't gone, I got 10, but I don't want to learn it yet. Mm -hmm. I feel like they should have kept 10 closer to 8 and 9. Mm -hmm. I feel like X or 10, whatever it is, is GarageBand. Yeah. And GarageBand and Logic was two different worlds. It's GarageBand Pro. That's the <laughs> Right. And I, you know, I never used GarageBand. Mm. So I'm going to use 9 until I have to get on 10. Well, long may that continue because that's what I was on 8 until this year and then I've had to, I've had to move up because I had to get a new computer and it's right. just, I'm finding it's frustrating me on a daily basis. It is, man. To, just to get my settings back to how they were on, a, on an older version, it's just, it's just crazy. But eight and nine were closer related. They weren't, they weren't really different, but some, for some reason on X, someone felt like going, doing something real weird. You don't go all the way over here, you gradually go to something it's weird. Well, do you think it's because they, because it's gone mass market, because everyone's producing now? It's like, it, 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 there was the kind of garage, you know, garage band was like the fun kind of toy. So they, they basically catered to the garage band crowd. That's what yeah. They and they've kind of, but, but, you know, people want, you know, they they want to feel like, you know, even then they're, they're never gonna get into the full depths because I don't think any of us have. I don't know if you go go into the environment in Logic and stuff, uh, and it's like, ooh. <laughs> people start talking about. Um, it sounds better when you record vocals in Pro Tools. I say it's garbage. I can't tell if it's recorded in Pro Tools, Cubase, Logic, and I've I've had a over well over a hundred records out on labels like real. I can't tell. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
I mean, surely it's more about the room and the microphone. Yeah, I can't tell. More I can't. Than and now, in these days, you don't even need a great mic. Yeah. <laughs> they got the plugins where you can warm it up. If you know how to get around, man, you don't even need a great mic. Like, if this was my day, like back in college, if I, I'd be in heaven. Because really, you can get hot for under $500. You could have a, your program. Now, you can't have a Mac for that, but you can use a PC. You can get a PC laptop, a cheap mic, whatever DAW you're using, and you could get hot for under $500. You could be mm. killing the radio and club everywhere. We didn't have that option back in the day. No. We had to go to the studio. You, even, even, like, even if you was using ADAS or D88, you had to go to somebody's spot that had a studio to try to get equivalent sound when it was on the radio. Right now, there's someone in East London with a little laptop about to drop something crazy. Mm. It's going to change the world. I think that's a good thing. I wish we had it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I wish we had it back then because we had to go to jump through the hoops. We had the, all the analog gear and mm. all that. Else. I mean, I was going around trying to get, get production deals on us. I'm walking around New York with that heavy ASR 10. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is heavy. Right now, you can have a backpack, and that's your studio, and you can win. Yeah. The funniest thing we were just with um, with John Morales. Okay. And he was telling a story in one of the interviews about um, doing remixes back in the day, and he was, you know, he was saying like once he got a, a once he got an eight track, he was like cutting up tape literally, and he would go back from the studio with like all of these slices of tape that were hung up throughout his house with like labels on, same vocal, and you know backing vocals so but do you think that perhaps because people came from that background and it was so hard like you had to work so hard to even loop something you know there's an element where doing that was almost like being in the trenches and then you kind of come come up through the ranks whereas now people are almost to use to continue the military analogy like you're coming straight in at officer level without having had any experience and you can't be mad at that though because no. it's, it's, because it's, it's technology like it's, it's what it is. you got to deal with it. Yeah, you got to deal with it. Like like DJs that carry crates of records around back in the day. You can't be mad that someone came in the game in the Serato. Yeah, it's it is what it is. You can't be yeah. mad. Like like Jeff used to carry crates of records around. Yeah. Now you got a drive. Yeah, then he would not yeah. go back. <laughs> he ain't going back. Yeah. Listen, you can you, 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 can, you can travel easier. Going, uh, You're not going back to that. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then it limited you. You know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't carry all your records, no. so you had to have your crates which you was gonna rock that night. Yeah. And that was it. Now you got the drives, you can pull out anything. So technology has allowed people to be more creative, whether it's making music or playing music. Yeah. Straight up. And the music is something that's bigger, big as ever. So that's why I'm just happy to be involved performing. Like I said, I talked to Jeff before, he's like, yeah, you should, you're music, you should DJ. You got to let people know that you're, you're still giving your feeling out of your music and everything. And that's what you should do. And I said, say no more. When the best DJ in the world tell you, you should do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because by all means, by all accounts, he's considered the best DJ in the world. He can rock any set. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, he literally can. And even, and he still get busy with the young dudes. Like, he is the... He is what they're trying to do. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, yeah, let me get busy then. Let's go. It sounds like you've had some amazing mentors. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like people people just tell you the truth because like I'm blessed because I'm not on no BS with people. Like mm -hmm. so, like even with like somebody like Dre, you know, he's Dr. Dre. I got a great relationship. He 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 filled my spirit, my energy. He know I ain't on no BS. And you know, I hold my own. So that's what it's about, trying to do your thing and raise your own level and everything and people can see that light in you, I feel like. I love that. Right, should we, should we wrap yeah. up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need to roll off, don't we? So, we out? That was great. Thank oh, you so much. It, man. Oh. That rather abrupt ending was due to Mike's British hosts bursting into the broom cupboard and reminding us that we had dinner plans. So as we head off 
into the night to a steakhouse near Waterloo Station. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to Mike and I can only recommend his album, The Feel Good Agenda Volume 1. There's a lot more to come and I believe while he was in London he was staying with Soulful House producer Booker T. So hopefully they were working on some new music as well. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Station H podcast. Please subscribe to Five Magazine to get all your exclusive content before anyone else and help us keep the lights on. Thanks for tuning in and I'll talk to you again soon. Stars alive